Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, June 15th, 2020. This is Josh Caldwell, Lifeline's Vice President of International Ministry. Today we're continuing our study of the book of Ezekiel, looking at chapter 13. We will continue this study in Ezekiel, and today we will be looking at false prophets. So if you'll turn there with me, we're going to start reading this section, and we're going to stop in three places and talk about three sections of this chapter. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7, 8 through 17, and 18 through 23. So let's start with Ezekiel 13, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying and saying to those who prophesy from their own hearts, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets have been like jackals among ruins of Israel. You have not gone up into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel. That, the, that it might stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen false visions and lying divinations. They say, declares the Lord when the Lord has not sent them. And yet they expect him to fulfill their own words. Have you not seen a false vision and uttered a lying divination? Whenever you said, declares the Lord, although I have not spoken. So we're going to stop right there and talk about these first few verses. In these verses here, we see Ezekiel looking at these false prophets of Israel, referring to them as foolish. And we think about the word foolish, we see here that it means blasphemy or arrogance um, here. And uh, those are strong words. Here he speaks uh, generically of anyone claiming to prophesy falsely against Yahweh's name. Ezekiel evaluates their spiritual condition and finds enough to call them foolish. These false prophets did not set up prophecy in their homes or in their workplaces, but in their hearts, it says. And they've, they've caused many to stumble. Psalm 14.1 says this, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Ezekiel sees these professed prophets as having no relationship with the Lord, no true relationship with the Lord. As we see in Ezekiel 6, Ezekiel confirmed by saying that they have false visions and lying divinations. So let's remember a couple things about Ezekiel. Ezekiel's name means God strengthens or may God strengthen appropriate for a prophet called to proclaim a strong message here in um, chapter 13 to false teachers. Ezekiel lived his prophetic career among the Judeans in Babylon, and he belonged to the priestly class. He was a clergy. Let's think about that in light of these verses, that he was a clergyman who was called to denounce other clergy who were speaking falsely about the Lord. And in verse 3, we, say that, we see that it says, Follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. I'm not sure about you, but when I follow and rely on my own spirit, I see nothing as well, and I am foolish. Verse 4, he goes on to say, These prophets are likened to jackals among ruins. Think about scavengers. 
or uh, think about a wild dog who is just going and tearing up things. They're jackals among ruins who profit from people's awful condition and and think about someone who's taking advantage. Think about someone who's taking advantage of the broken here. Um, we see in verse 6 and 7, it says, that They say the Lord declares when the Lord has not sent them. So they are falsely speaking of the Lord. They are speaking as if the Lord is talking directly to them. We see those in verse 1 through 7. So let's move on to verses 8 through 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord, because you have uttered falsehoods and lying visions, therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord. May my hand, my hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and who give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people, nor be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord God, precisely because they have misled my people saying peace when there is no peace. And because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash. Say to those who smear it with whitewash that it is it shall fall. There will be a dullage of rain, and you, O great hailstones, will fall and a stormy wind break out. And when the wind falls, it is not to be said to you, where is the coating with which you smeared it? Therefore, thus says the Lord, I will make a stormy wind out of my wrath, and there shall be change, a deluge of rain in my anger, and great hailstones in the wrath, wrath to make a full end. And I will break down the wall that you have smeared with whitewash and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be laid bare. And when it falls, you shall perish in the midst of it, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus will I spend my wrath upon the wall and upon those who have smeared it with whitewash. And I will say to you, the wall is no more, nor those who smeared it. The prophets of Israel who prophesied concerning Jerusalem and saw visions of peace for her when there was no peace, declares the Lord. There's a lot here in these verses of 8 through 16, but we see the Lord says, I am against you because you have uttered falsehoods. And in verse 9, we see in his hands will be against the prophets who see false visions and lying. This is not a place where you want to be. It's not a place where you want to be where the Lord is saying that I am against you. Who will he he, who will he be again? He makes it clear by restating he will be against those who are lying and have false visions. And he gives three consequences here for these false prophets that they will not be in the council, that they will not be registered in the house of Israel, and they shall not enter the land. As he holds us accountable in the things that we say uh, about him, he wants us to share the things that are of Christ and that we see in the Bible, but he also holds us accountable to not say the things he has not said. Verses 10 through 16, I think here, give us a good illustration of a flimsy wall and the illustration of the wall and the wall being built and being torn down. And uh, end of verse 10 says, the prophet smear it with whitewash. And you think about whitewash as some type of plaster that goes on, kind of a skin coat of paint, uh, uh, a, uh, a really thin coat of paint that is on there. And it looks good and makes the wall look complete, but the wall underneath is weak. Um, I see this a lot when I'm traveling around the world and, and people that are uh, building new buildings or bricks. And I saw um, a church, um, uh, kind of a part of a church being built one time and, and watched them put a 
plaster over the outside of the bricks. And I was talking to the man and he said the reason they did that is because the bricks were weak and they needed this plaster on the outside. But instead of having a thin plaster to make it just look good, they put a very thick concrete on the outside in order to hold it up. But we see here in this illustration, it makes me think of that these false prophets built things that were weak, that had holes in them because of their faults falsehoods but they tried to put a plaster over it to make it look nice on the outside but we see here that the hard rains came and the wall falls is similarly to the lies that the false teachers are building a weak wall and then covering it just to make it look nice we see in verses 12 through 16 the storms come and wash off the whitewash the walls are overturned and the whole thing is destroyed um, they, in verse 16, they say peace when there is no peace and vision of peace when there was not peace. So we see these verses and, and we can think about um, the people were supposed to be built up by what? They were supposed to be built up by the sound truth of the Lord in truth and love. But their sin was actually building a weak and compromised nation. And, and these prophets, instead of alerting them to their sin and telling people to turn away from their sin, they ignored their sin and telling them that everything was just fine and that they were going to look fine on the outside. So let's take a step and look at the next set of verses, which is 17 through 23. Um, and it says this, And you, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own hearts. Prophesy against them and say, Thus says the Lord, Woe to the women who sew magic bands upon all wrists and make veils for the heads of the person in every statue in the hunt for souls. Will you hunt down souls belonging to my people and keep your own souls alive? You have profaned me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread, putting to death souls who should not die and keeping alive souls who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lies. Verse 20, therefore, thus says to the Lord, behold, I am against your magic bands with which you hunt the souls like birds, and I will tear them from your arms, and I will let the souls whom you hunt go free, the souls like birds. Your veils also will tear off and deliver my people out of your hands, and they shall be no more in your hand as prey. And you shall know that I am the Lord, because you have disheartened the righteous falsely, although I have not grieved him and you have encountered the wicked and he should not turn from his evil way to save his life. Therefore, you shall no more see false visions nor practice divinations. I will deliver my people out of your hand and you shall know that I am the Lord. And we see these verses run very similarly to verses one through seven. Um, in these verses, women who claim to be prophets, but who actually practiced witchcraft. The prophet Ezekiel condemns these women for seeking to control the people with magic bands, something they made that um, they were giving to them falsely with false promises. We see in verse 18, these prophets were full of superstition. Who sew magic bands upon all wrists and make views for the heads of the person of every statue and falsely binding some type of spell that they've tried to sell them. Um, and we know that it wasn't just about superstition, but also money. And we see in verses 20, um, 
a few verses before that, we see that they did this for barley and bread in verse 19, pieces of barley and bread. And so they did this not just for superstition, but for money. And we see in 20 through 23, the people will be set free and these superstitions will fail. Now let's take just a few minutes uh, to look at another passage of Scripture as we think about Ezekiel chapter 13. We're going to look at 2 Peter now, chapters 1 and 2. So go ahead and turn there if you um, have your Bible and you can turn there. Um, and as I was praying through these topics of Ezekiel chapter um, 13 and, and thinking to myself, um, do I recognize false teachers and how do I recognize false teachers and how do I protect myself, my, the, the partners that we are around and we work with from false teachers? And this first question is really one that's so important in our world today. And as I researched, I read and I found an article um, that I wanted to use as a guide for our time today. It was from the Gospel Coalition website. You can look it up from Colin Smith, who is a pastor, contributor to the Gospel Coalition, a senior pastor in Chicago, and has a radio program called Unlocking the Bible. And he also leads a church planning network. So this next information here is from Pastor Smith. And we're going to just use some of his uh, points that he made here to, to help uh, edify us today and think about what we can learn about false teachers, and we can look at Second Peter chapters one and two. So Second Peter one is about genuine believers, and Second Peter two is about counterfeit believers. So number one point from Pastor Smith is that they have a different source. We see First Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter one sixteen says this: We did not follow cleverly intended, invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we look at that in one. But we look in chapter 2 and we see then says false teachers exploit you with their stories that they have made up. So true teachers, their source is what? The Bible. Jesus' power and his coming. False teachers rely on their own message. So number two point in looking at false teachers is they have a different message. The true believer has a message that um, is found in chapter 1 verse 3 of Second Peter. We have everything we need in life and godliness in him. But false teachers have Jesus just out on the side. They secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord we see in chapter 2. Number three is a different position. They don't only have a different source, a different message, but they have a different position. And in this position, we see true Christians uh, escape from corruption, as we see in verse 4. But in Second uh, Peter 2.19, we see that it says this, The promise of freedom, they themselves are slaves to depravity for a man is a slave to whatever masters him. We see that the the counterfeit believer is mastered by corruption. And point number four is a different character. What kind of people does this message produce? I love this point because this is one that really um, drills home to me to think about how this applies in so many lives that a true believer, true teaching of the word of God builds goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and brother kindness and love. I also think about Galatians 5, 22 through 23 here. When I think about it is think about the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. And think about the things that are built in us when we focus on true teaching of the word of God. But counterfeit teachers or counterfeit believers um, are made up of arrogance and slander we see in in chapter 2 verse 10 of second peter they're experts in greed in verse 14 and 
Um, they have just a general characteristics of a counterfeit believer. And these are things um, that are really impactful as we think about them. So let's move on to uh, point five, that they have a different appeal. The true teachers appeal of scripture. So we see in chapter one, verse 19 of second Peter. Um, and, and we see that um, the false teacher would rather have a different appeal by appealing to the lustful desires we see in verse 18 of chapter 2. So the true teacher seeks what God has said in his word and false teachers seek to what people want to hear. The last two are different fruit and different end. So uh, Pastor Smith gives us two more points here to look at at false teachers and what result does this message have is that true believers is effective and productive in knowledge of Jesus Christ in verse 8 and uh, counterfeit is like springs without water and it produces very little and then the last one is a different end is the true believer will be will, have, will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of God we see this in second Peter 1 11 the false believer will experience swift destruction as we see in the first verse of chapter 2 really appreciate the way that Pastor Smith laid this out and we were able to use this. If you want to read more there, go to the Gospel Coalition website and search um, for that message on counterfeit Christianity for 2 Peter 1 and 2. So I just want us to take a few minutes and just think about in light of this verse, in light of this chapter today, chapter 13, in light of where we are and in light of those questions that I asked earlier of just how do we recognize false believers and how do we protect ourselves in this day and age and think about the ways that we can protect our partners and work with our partners. I just thought of four things that I think would really be helpful for us to focus on today. Number one is that we have to go to Scripture. The word of God is our authority. It is the word of God. Let us ask ourselves, what did he, the Lord, say? The Bible is true and we can trust it. Psalm 119, 160, the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. The Bible is sufficient it is the only book that we need. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is God is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So number one, we in, in thinking about what can we learn from Ezekiel 13, what we read in 2 Peter, and how can we apply something to our life today through this is that number one is that we need to go to Scripture. We need to teach others to go to Scripture and to focus on the Word of the Lord. Number two is that we need to live out the fruit of the Spirit. I read the fruit of the Spirit earlier and just think about that we need to be living that out. But I also look at Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are, are wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits." Let's live by the fruit of the Lord and not like the false prophets who bear bad fruit. So let's live out the fruit 
of the Lord, the fruit that we see in Jesus Christ. So number one is that let's focus on Scripture. Let's go there. Let's go go read the Word. Number two, live out the fruit of the Spirit. Number three is sharpen each other. Proverbs twenty seven seventeen: Iron sharpens iron, and no one man sharpens another. Integrity, accountability. Speak with each other about Scripture and do so in a kind and grace-filled way. 1 Thessalonians 2.8, So we cared for you because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So we need to go to Scripture, live out the fruit of the Spirit. We need to sharpen each other. And then number four, let's remember the supremacy of Christ in all things. Let us not be like the prophets who rely on oneself and trust only in themselves, but let's rely and focus on the supremacy of Christ in all things. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So we need to be thinking about these four things and how we can apply going to Scripture, living out the fruit of the Spirit, sharpening one another, and remembering in all things the supremacy of Christ. We hear from our brothers and sisters around the world that are in ministry with us, that partners in Pakistan and India and Latin America and Africa and Europe and China, that there are false teachers and people teaching false gospels and people in their communities leading others to false trust in something that will not save them. We need to be in prayer for them, praying to those they are ministering to and praying for a clear picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last week here at Lifeline, we launched our Global Orphan Care Network. We did this because we want to join hands with friends from around the world that have the same heart for the gospel to be spread and for the vulnerable to be cared for. One of our goals of this global network is to provide gospel-centered church resources, Bible resources and gospel-focused orphan care resources. We want to do that because we want to partner clearly with a focus on the word of God. Uh, The things I mentioned earlier, we want to think about the supremacy of Christ. We want to sharpen each other. We want to live out the fruit um, that is of Christ. Um, If you are listening today and you're interested in joining the Global Network, you may do so. You can go to our website, um, our website, lifelinechild.org. You can slash G-O-C-N, Global Orphan Care Network, G-O-C-N, And you can fill out that short application and receive information about this network. Um, If you know solid pastors around the world, orphan care leaders around the world that are spreading the name of Jesus and caring for the vulnerable, you can encourage them to go there and fill that out as well. And they'll receive free resources. And we're going to have meetings and Zoom calls and opportunities to pray together and to learn from each other. So I want to thank you today for joining the Defender Podcast. And this week we are praying for... Um, the country of Peru. We want to pray um, that currently uh, we don't have any active families in the country of Peru. We're evaluating that program, but we want to be praying that opportunities would open there, 
Uh, Peru has been deeply impacted by COVID-19, and uh, we want to pray for Marisa as she is at risk for COVID um, because she, uh, she is older. She's struggling under this strict quarantine. Let's be in prayer for Marisa, our friend there in Peru. Also want us to be praying for Isaac Monogram. Isaac is a friend of ours that lives in southern India and has, uh, has had COVID-19 for about a week now. 10 days and has been in ICU and we're he is feeling much better today but we want to continue to pray for Isaac and um, all of our friends and partners around the world that have been affected by COVID-19 and we want to pray for specifically today Peru and our partner there Marisa so let's pray God we love you so much we thank you for your many blessings we thank you for your word of God we thank you for Ezekiel 13 and and this this teaching on false prophets and you're you're giving us this word so that we can um, sharpen each other and find you in all that we teach and see you as we focus on um, making your name known among the nations as we care for the vulnerable Lord I pray today for our sister Marisa that's in Peru pray that you would protect her put a hedge of protection around her health Lord, and uh, as she is under the strict quarantine there, and I pray that you would be with our uh, team and as we are investigating Peru from an adoption perspective and trying to see how we can continue to serve in the country of Peru. Lord, I pray that you would be with Isaac Monogram today. I know you're with him um, because he knows you and uh, you are with your people and he is um, in the ICU, Lord, and we just pray that for the doctors, we pray for the treatment, we pray for his breathing, we pray for the infection to subside in his lungs. Lord, thank you for our friends and families that are supporting him right now. We thank you for people that are reaching out to support so many ways and we are so thankful and we just pray and uh, thank you today. In your name we pray, amen. So if you are interested in joining the Global Network, please go to our website to do so. If you're also interested in supporting our unadopted partners that are struggling today with COVID-19, you may do so as well by going to our website uh, and learning more there, lifelinechild.org. So thank you for joining the Defender podcast, and we will look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.